So we need to break the ice. Do you know what I mean by that? Yes. What do I mean? Overcome initial social awkwardness. So let's have a conversation. I did something unexpected today. Do you know a girl with long red hair? She's not ringing any bells. She doesn't live here or... Nope. Madeline is not ready to be buried yet. She's upstairs, oh, resting peacefully. Oh, fine. oh, if she's not dead, you tell her to come down here. You tell her to come down here, walk right up to me, and kiss me on the... Kiss you on the what? Spent too much time in this body. I'm fucking trapped in here. View basic questions before the operating system is initiated. This will help create an OS to best fit your needs. Now, when I'm very good and do as I am told, I'm Mama's little angel. And Papa says I'm good as gold. But when I'm very bad and answer back and sass, then I'm Mama's little devil. And Papa says I've got the brass. Hey, we're back. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Mary. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too. How are you? I'm good, thank you. And Happy New Year to all of our listeners. Thank you for thank you for listening. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much for being on this journey with us on the pod. Um, actually, I have to say, I um, have I took a little screenshot of something that I wanted to tell you mm. um, because I got a little. Um, um, I went on our Spotify, um, our like podcast Spotify thing, uh-huh. and about just of our Spotify listeners, it said thirty two fans listen to you more than any other podcast on Spotify. I think that's wow. quite a lot. That's quite a lot of fans to like us more than any other podcast on that's just really one platform. Yeah. I was really, I was really pleased. So that's a, that was our Christmas blessing. Oh, that's so <laughs> nice. Oh my gosh, that's so encouraging. Thank you so much for being such dedicated listeners, guys. Yeah, it was really sweet. I was like, I was really touched. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I saw this like statistics about take up in terms of listenership for podcasts and it says something like if you are if you have something like over 200 listeners per month you're in like the one percent of podcasts that's crazy yeah like that's how many podcasts there are now wow that's really strange I didn't even think I didn't wow that's it's kind of mind-blowing to think about how many there are I guess it's kind of like Mm. in sort of this algorithmic age Mm -hmm. we only just see the tip of the iceberg of everything that's out there Mm. there must be just like so that means there are like millions and millions of podcasts that we've never even heard of I know right it's probably just it's literally just people having a phone call but like recording it yeah (laughs) (laughs) uploading it you know um I mean since we're on that tip uh if you guys want to keep pushing us further into that one percent because we're already there (laughs) um (laughs) just make sure that you know we keep our crown intact be sure to review and rate us on iTunes helps us out it really does it takes just a few minutes when you're next time you're (laughs) 
using the toilet just go <laughs> onto iTunes and give us that five stars yeah whenever you emit any bodily fluid yeah like that, just, that should be your reminder that should like be that should just be like your association with us so go right away and like review and rate us <laughs> well here we are episode five of the uncanny series mm-hmm. surgery I'm like way ahead with my homework because usually I, I watch like one during the week that we're going to record and then I usually watch the other one like the morning that we record but mm. I had I got, did all my listening before last Sunday so all my watching before last Sunday so I oh am I've yeah I've I'm, I've almost forgotten the films so <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this was the one that I was like dreading rewatches. I mean, I've seen both of these films before, Eyes Without a Face and The Skin I Live In. Mm-hmm. But because I'm so squeamish about like blood and surgery situations being depict- depicted, like it did make me nervous thinking about the rewatches. Um, I didn't know you were squeamish about that. That's interesting. I, am. I really am. I don't like the sight of blood. Um it's funny, like, I can watch the most gory horror film, like, extreme horror. Yeah. But if it's in the context of, like, a hospital or, like, a structured surgery practice, somehow it's that that, like, upsets me. <laughs> if it's just people, like, tearing each other apart in the street, that's <laughs> fine. <laughs> but if it's a doctor and a nurse. It, yeah, yeah. That's fair enough. I'm actually quite frightened of nurses, too. Um, because like when you listen to as many true crime podcasts as I do, you realize like a lot of serial killers and nurses, (laughs) like, are you serious? Yeah. So many of them, like, it's just, it's really common thing. Like, you know, I know that we're in this age of like clap for the NHS and stuff like that, (laughs) but like, I'm here to tell you that nurses are terrifying (laughs) and and you should be frightened of them. So many nurse ratchets out there. Yeah. And my mum's a nurse as well. And I once mm. said to her, like, I once said, you know, all these nurse serial killers. And she was like, yeah, well, we've got the access. Mm. So she didn't, you know, reassure me. Like, she was like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, so, <laughs> the story checks out. Yeah, exactly. So now even more for, like freaked out. <laughs> so, did you ever listen to that podcast, Dr. Death? never oh that just I think you wouldn't it would be really frightening for you it's just this doctor who is like he's just like a raving narcissist and can't and he's he's like a doctor in America and he keeps performing maybe okay um and he just keeps performing all of these like surgeries on people and like they go and they go like horribly wrong like these back surgeries and like people are just like left with like constant pain the rest of their lives and he just like will not he just can't he won't admit that he can't do them and like just he's just like unstoppable like people are trying to stop him doing these surgeries and he just like won't stop like fucking people's (laughs) lives up because he likes the idea of himself as a surgeon just like this like narcissistic image of himself as like this like godlike person who can cure people mm-hmm. is like it just that's the thing like and it's just that thing that they say that like the people that are the least qualified will like think that they're the most qualified mm-hmm. like and the other and like the other way around like the people who are the most talented will have like the least amount of confidence but yeah oh so. my god yes definitely it kind of makes me think of um I think it's an Aaron Sorkin movie. You know that movie Malice with Alec Baldwin? Oh, yeah. And, and Nicole Kidman. Yeah. 
Well, he actually, there's a great scene where he, he's like a surgeon and he's being taken to task for something that he did. And then he gets accused of having a God complex. Um, it's such a good scene. And he's like, when your loved one is, you know, going under the knife and their life is on the line and, you know, you're you're out like going to the chapel and praying to God that that your loved one makes it through. Um, you shouldn't be praying to God. You should be praying to me because I Ooh. am God. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. It's so horrible. I know. Oh, my God. It's really interesting. You know what it is that maybe, like, I'm already thinking about the two films. And I think these two films are perfect in a double bill. Like, how good are they together? They're, like, basically, I, uh, The Skin I Live In is a remake of Eyes Without a Face, kind right? of. Like, they're so similar. So I didn't. Similar. I'd never seen Eyes Without a Face. It's always been on my watch list, and oh, this is really? the first time I've actually watched it. So, yeah. Oh my god! That's yeah. the thing. There's so many films in the series where I, I hadn't. Oh Jesus Christ! Sorry, Jimmy just jumped up on the desk, <laughs> like scared the shit out of me. He's been like making that little whiny meow, Jimmy. Aww. Oh God! Sorry about that. <laughs> like, Ben's in Iceland, so I'm looking after him. Oh bless! <laughs> sorry. Love that cat. Oh, he's so naughty. Um, uh, what were we just still talking about? Yeah, like all the movies that go well together. I feel like we could also even just check in Face Off as a th- triple bill with these two. Definitely. And also, I think Goodnight Mummy yes. is like very similar to this as well. So very, like, very. oh yeah, it's brilliant. Like it's, yeah, it's really frightening. The idea of, and like, yeah, there were actually, so we could do a whole surgery series. American Mary. Yes. Um, Excision. Excision, Human Centipede. Oh my like. God. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I think I'm like trying to work out what is it about surgery that makes me feel so unnerved because I've never had a bad experience or anything. If anything, I can actually let you in on an amazing experience I had, like 10 out of 10 would recommend, like incredible. Um, I had this like very minor Um, medical issue that was like super routine you know nothing serious and they said uh we're just going to do a local anesthesia you know and when I got to the hospital and I went in to like see the anesthesiologist the guy I swear to god I don't know who this guy was I feel like he would literally just rocked up from the street (laughs) he just like (laughs) had like a lab coat on and he goes, he goes, it says here on my record that you only need to have a local, but fancy having a general anesthetic. And I'm like, um, but do I need it? And he's like, no, but it's just so much fun. Like, you know, you should do it. It's a total trip. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I was like, normally I would probably be a bit squeamish about doing something like that. But I don't know, like something about his vibe. He was so chill. And I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. Yeah. Let me have the good, the good stuff. You know, I want to do the hard stuff. And sure enough, like he, he administered it and I I started counting backward and I was out and he was right. It was the trip of a lifetime. (laughs) It is really nice. I've had the same experience. Not like I knew I was getting general. Like it wasn't just like offered to me 
like a spliff on the day but um <laughs> like but yeah I had I just felt great after I woke up from my I again had like a really small operation yeah and just felt like wonderful for the like the next 24 hours basically right? yeah it's really nice I don't know what that is but I don't know what it is they're giving us yeah but can I have some more like recreationally because that was amazing yeah actually like you know sort of everyone people don't really have time to take holidays these days and (laughs) like you know it's really hard for people to kind of like relax long term like couldn't we all just go have an anesthetic like once a year like yeah (laughs) we could all go to like a picturesque place like bath or something but instead of like taking the waters you just take the anesthetic and just like all go to sleep on like retro hospital beds retro iron hospital beds for like 24 hours <laughs> just be really nice yeah yeah exactly that's like the perfect spa day in this in our like dystopian society it definitely is like I think we've just yeah that I think we've just written a um like a Cronenberg movie or something oh, Brand- Brand- Brandon Cronenberg yeah. <laughs> the next generation of yes. like body horror um yeah totally antiviral um but apparently you say really strange things when you wake up from anesthetic and you just don't remember but if you ask (laughs) like the nurses who are who like are in charge of the people like it's in charge of like that recovery room Mm. then like they've heard some real shit because you say really strange things (gasps) oh my god yeah like people like spill their darkest perversions basically (laughs) I think yeah (laughs) See, that's, that would be a cool documentary. Someone literally just <laughs> capturing that footage with no that's, context. That is so true. It would be really not, That would be really great. Like, it would be really yeah. poetic, I think. Very. Just, like, very get everyone dreamy. to sign a release form. And then, like, yeah, <laughs> like, before they go in. And then as long as, like, like, you're anonymous, maybe you could, like, have your face blurred if you say something really horrible. Yeah. But, yeah. I feel like that rogue guy at St. Thomas, St. Thomas's could really help us out with this. Like, you know, yeah, I'm like, sure. You, you know, we could just meet him by the bins outside the <laughs> hospital and he could hook us up. It would be like that. It would be like Chucky when they buy a doll, but we'd be like <laughs> buying like hospital footage. <laughs> like, Oh my God. This is a really good project idea. I feel like we need to like bring it right to the top of our ideas list. I know our production company is really... <laughs> It's, like, it's really growing. It's, it's really growing, yet also we're not, not doing any work in between these like brief two-hour recording sessions. Like, <laughs> I'm starting to get a bit stressed out by all the films we're producing. We're like, really prolific. Yeah, we are. I think we're, I think we're bankrupt. <laughs> we are. We're producing outside of our means yeah, here. So. Um. <laughs> Hopefully we'll get to all of this one day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> once we get that research assistant who's a Virgo, you know, everything. Will yeah, just... we really need a Virgo in the mix. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Maybe a Capricorn as well. Oh, definitely. Definitely. They'll be our money man. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think I was like thinking about it. Like, what is it about surgeons? Like, what is it about? Like, why is it that I can watch a slasher movie and be totally unfazed, but slap that same person into, like, a hospital outfit, you know, and a surgeon's surgeon's cover-ups, and suddenly I'm, like, running for the hills? Why? And I think it's because there's something about a premeditated 
thing of surgery and the malintent of like going against the Hippocratic oath when you're mm-hmm. cutting. And maybe that's what it is that disturbs me because because you, you, you can kind of forgive a slasher anything because they've gone berserk. You know what I mean? They're not in their right mind. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas like, especially like that Antonio Banderas character in The Skin I Live In. I mean, he was such a good villain, but he just spent so much time thinking through his twisted experiments that, like, maybe that's what unnerves me. Yeah, well, it's torture. Yes, it's sadistic, right? Yeah, like, I remember, like, it's very, very frightening, the idea of, like, yeah, someone kind of, like, very cold-bloodedly, like, hurting you and making you, like, like, like basically, like, making you, like, scarred for life or, like, mm. in pain for life. Mm-hmm. is a really like it's just really frightening like okay. I remember reading like I remember reading um the girl with the dragon tattoo mm-hmm. um like just before I went on like a long haul flight somewhere and then I had like really bad jet lag for a while and then I said to my friend in New Orleans I was like I'm just really frightened about I've just become really frightened about torture and she was like <laughs> no one's not frightened of torture <laughs> like oh yeah I suppose so but you know when it first kind of gets into your head about exactly what it is when people torture people like there's just something so frightening about it that the just the idea is so frightening yes that's it it's yeah you're right it's this it's like because they're so calm about it like yeah they've already weighed all the options and they've decided to go with this path you know I suppose I suppose that's what the uncanny thing is because it's like violence without passion yes like violence without anger uh, is really is like a really strange thing because Mm. you know it doesn't it just doesn't fit there's something like it's like we've seen violence we see it all the time we like experience it we feel violent Mm. but it usually comes kind of hand in hand with this like other familiar feeling so it's like violence without the familiarity of like emotions that's it so that's like it's a very strange like sterile like thing you know it's a much like colder yeah it's just very unfamiliar to us I think yeah yeah I think you've resolved it that's what it is it's interesting because it kind of implies that like the societal roles we forced ourselves into kind of like perpetuate these uncanny (laughs) feelings like these these like these frightening feelings because if we kind of accepted that we're all just like people with like very strange messed up psyches and that we're all kind of potentially going to do something horrible, then we wouldn't feel like quite so like let down when a member of like a certain social group does something like really horrific, mm-hmm. you know. But yes. because we just you know we've sort of decided to put people on pedestals, kind of, then we get so much more let down when it's like an act of violence occurs. Yeah, and that's why like people like become like sort of like murderers and like people become like monsters because we've like we sort of put them in this like social bracket that we find familiar and comforting. Yeah, and forgotten that they're just people with like backgrounds and and feelings and like all of these strange kind of messed up like, inner worlds and impulses. Yeah, yeah, that are actually probably not that far off from what we're capable of as well. Exactly. Yeah, just like, yeah, you're onto something there for sure. That yeah. is so true. Yeah, that, and I think that's what people have trouble sort of reconciling. Then it becomes so disquieting and disconcerting when you're suddenly confronted with it. Especially with doctors, I feel, because they have to swear an oath to protect you. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, it kind of makes me think of, you know, like your concept of um, psychotherapists going rogue. Mm. It's something like that, too. Mm. Definitely. Like, it's kind of, it's more about, there's like an element of what we're frightened of as well. Yeah. Or like that we're frightened about placing so much trust in these humans mm-hmm. that makes like the kind of character of the rogue doctor so much more frightening. Yes. Because like the rogue therapist, like as a character is just like, it's kind of like the risks that we feel about putting our kind of innermost secrets onto (laughs) someone else Mm -hmm. um, and what they might do with them and like what, like letting someone kind of run right in our head might, you know, that like Mm -hmm. that's like a stupid and crazy vulnerable thing to do. Yeah. So in this, in doctors, it's exactly the same part when we give them our bodies. Yeah. Yeah, and they could just have a free-for-all. They really could. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) As we've seen in these movies. As we've seen in these movies and in life, like, it happens sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Yeah, not everyone is worthy of the trust we place in them. Yeah. Oh, my God, it's so scary. I know. I think most people are. Most, (laughs) like, a lot of serial killers are nurses but it doesn't mean a lot of nurses are serial killers because serial killers are a very small min- a small minority of the population <laughs> so most doctors and nurses very nice people i'm sure absolutely very nice people. but with that ruthless streak <laughs> just wanted to say oh my they God. do they have the access and they know how to they know how to take emotions out of the out of the equation maybe a tenuous link here but I did see a chart you've probably seen this one too that lists all the like most famous serial killers and their star signs yes I did see that do you remember Virgo being there quite a lot Virgo is like really high and Pisces <laughs> is it Pisces or is it I can't remember I just remember it not being Scorpio no and everyone is always you know always thinks that Scorpio are these like <laughs> violent perverts and actually we're the least so or the most successful not getting caught exactly yeah (laughs) that's it yeah our crimes remain successfully hidden exactly (laughs) (laughs) um yeah and there was also something like theoretically that was relevant i thought in talking about you know surgeons going nuts um and that is the kind of theoretical issue of identity formation mm-hmm. and you know this idea of like an normal healthy identity development where a person usually in their formative years assimilating like an aspect or property of the other person and then they're themselves like transformed wholly or partially by the model that the other person provides this is sort of by means of a series of identifications that the personality is like constituted and specified. I guess I'm kind of interested in the significance of identity formation in both of these films. We can take, we can like go through it one at a time. Cause I think, I feel like there's something different happening in each one, mm-hmm. but I'm, I guess I'm just interested in the trope of surgery as a kind of uncanny violent act of physically attempting to like cover up the other person with an identity that is idealized by the surgeon Mm. you know yes that's so that's really interesting and in doing that they're like effectively negating the agency and autonomy and desires of their patient they don't care 
Mm-hmm. They're just interested in like literally covering that up with their own fantasy. <laughs> um, so I think that's kind of also why it it's so scary and uncanny because people do that sometimes without surgery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like that is like the main story to tell on most dating apps. People are are doing that a lot. Um, yeah, I def- I think... I just, I can't stop thinking about the similarity of dating apps, just like online shopping. Mm-hmm. And like, so it's just in that mental process of that is to imagine yourself like with this product. Yes. Or like wearing this product or dating this product. And <laughs> like, and so that it's just like a totally narcissistic thing. Yeah. It's totally, it's, you know, it, 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 it's, it's wrong for romance, I think. It's very strange. Yeah, that you're, yeah, you're right. Because the apps, like the shopping apps and the dating apps are starting to like look more and more the same mm-hmm. and adding someone to your cart, basically. Yeah. And like trying things on for size. Through that process, you know, it's like you're just dealing with an inanimate object what matters is is your desire and yours alone. There is no interaction with somebody else's desire. There's a lot of like thinking of the object as disposable and yeah, it's it's I feel like it's quite dangerous. It's almost as it's I feel like the apps are almost designed to groom everybody into psychopathy. Like yeah. like totally remorseless using of others. Anyway, yeah, for yeah. sure. It's for like sure. just consuming others. Consuming others. Yeah, yeah. totally. It's yeah. just, it makes everyone, it's just, it's just like the most capitalist, yeah. like, thing, to, way to look at others, you know? And like, I think we are being encouraged to think of partners as like fulfilling various different, like, roles and aspects and like levels of coolness and <laughs> like, int- I don't know, it's very, like, this very kind of strange like way of thinking where it's like you might as well just go back to like you know marrying someone because like you want to do get you want to like make some kind of like trade tie with their family for your family like it's no different you might as well just go back to like marrying for money and for like for like mutual like prosperity and convenience like really at least that'd be more honest yeah 100 percent. like I think people think are like yeah, really looking to sort of tick off a shopping list. Yes. Yeah, totally. And it's the way that people are going about it. I mean, I, and I, I don't say this as a means of judging because it's really not anyone's fault. Like we've everyone's just leapwalking into this mode mm-hmm. of thinking because of the devices that we, ha- we have to rely on and the way that these things are marketed and set up structurally. Um, so I, I no judgment whatsoever. I mean, I kind of went through a phase like that myself when I was single, but I feel like when we're doing that, the potential for romance just vanishes mm-hmm. because romance is like diametrically opposed to all of this, you know, there's something really spontaneous and irrational within romance that can sweep us off our feet and it's exciting and un- unpredictable and we have to, I feel like we have to stay vigilant by maintaining the possibility for romance. That's what, that's a good way to defy mm-hmm. how love is being commodified. That's really nice. Yeah. I think that's true. And I think it's true of so many, like, 
I think the erotic potential of life is being filtered out in so many aspects, not just in relationships, mm-hmm. like in so many in in so many parts of life. I think it is the like that erotic those erotic drives are like gradually being dampened yeah. by the way that we're forced to consume things kind of digitally. So I think yeah, I think there's definitely I'm, I think what you're saying is like really inspiring and not necessarily just in just in relation to dating I um I half want to do a show where we ask listeners to send their relationship dilemmas and (gasps) give them advice yes please I would love to do that that would be amazing let's do it let's do it in between series yeah that's a great idea okay let's do it okay this is our announcement of that so start sending your relationship questions into us uh over twitter or over uh instagram or or maybe even just send us a dm with like like a voice message and yeah we can include it we can like weave you into the show (laughs) that would be really fun i would love to do that that would be great oh my gosh that's so fun um shall we start with eyes without a face let's start with eyes without a face that sounds wonderful les yeux sans visage very good (laughs) uh georges franju Okay, so um, Christiane, the daughter of a plastic surgeon, Dr. Genessier, has been badly disfigured in a car accident and is believed to be dead by the outside world. Dr. Genessier and his faithful assistant Louise lure women to their mansion and use them in face transplants to restore Christiane to her former beauty. As the transplants fail and more women are kidnapped, the police begin to piece together the mysterious disappearances. Mm-hmm. Mm. My God. I mean, it's so clever for its time. It's very like, it's very kind of morally neutral in its gaze, which I really like about films of the 60s, actually. I was, I watched The Collector like late last year (gasps) and I just, oh, just kind of, I was just like, you can't make a film like this anymore, I think, or not, maybe not, not ever, but at this time, Mm -hmm. I don't think you can make a film like that or like most people can't. Um, But yeah, I loved this I loved like these characters. It was so creepy. So creepy. Um, but also like very still and like a lot of like quite a quiet film, not a lot happening. Mm-hmm. But then this kind of like dark undercurrent of eeriness and creepiness. Oh, yeah. This is like a master class in how to do the uncanny on film. Yeah, 100%. And actually that surgery scene, mm. like it's 1960. And I was like, I had to keep looking away. I know. Because it's so, and it's like, I know that it's fake. I can see it's fake, but it was just, it was so disgusting. Like, just the, like, that they feel, and they film the entire, it's like, it's, um, it just doesn't give off. Like, it doesn't cut. They just Mm -hmm. film the entire thing. Like, they just film, like, the, all of, like, the pencil, the scalpel, the little, like, the horrible, what are they called? Um, The, like, clamps. Mm -hmm. uh, And then, like, just lift the face off. And I was just like, ah! (laughs) it's such a contrast to as you say in the rest of the film it it remains quite neutral most Mm. of the time like the tone of the film is quite poised and seems to be in control and then it's this chaos of the surgery and the horror of what these people are doing I love that contrast Mm. it really works and I love the dogs like oh the little God. the little dogs that are being like kept for their kept to be used in experiments and yes. Christiane like goes and hugs them all I really love that scene that she like that she loves the dogs so much and they all love her 
I know. It's Don't you think that the girl who played Christiane looks a lot like Rooney Mara? Oh, yeah, I could definitely see that. I think it's because Rooney Mara often has a, like a really short fringe. Yeah. As well. And then like very big eyes. Very big eyes. Yeah. Um, very yeah. similar. She's gorgeous. I mean, she's gorgeous. I mean, speaking of Rooney, I, I was just hearing that she's going to be playing Audrey Hepburn in the biopic. Oh, that's amazing. And it's, so nice yeah. that, not, that it's so nice to hear about one biopic that's not casting Lily Collins, like <laughs> inexplicably as someone she's not at all. Like, it's just, you know, I'm just, it's so nice when people actually cast someone suitable. Yes. Having yes. sat through House of Gucci. With, oh my God. Like, so I think I'm tired of joke casting. Like I want yeah. that, I want that to be a trope that dies with 2021. Yeah, we've had enough of that. Yeah, <laughs> Rooney Mara is perfect for Audrey Hepburn. That's going to be very amazing. subtle, very yeah. subtle. Yeah, just I mean, I like the fact that sometimes in this movie, like obviously the mask that she's been asked to wear while she's recovering from her disfigurement, uh, or or maybe it's right, it's 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 just pre the surgery, isn't it? Um, the strange mask. I I get the feeling that she is asked to wear it all the time, oh, and right. it's not. It doesn't have a medical use. Ah, right. Like I. That's the thing. That's the, yeah. the mask. Seems like kind of a cruelty, like that's in it. itself, because it's like it's very much that the doctor doesn't want to see his daughter's disfigured face rather than because there's no like mirrors and you know so it's not like she would see her own face and when she's in the room by herself she takes it off. Yeah, but she like, but he kind of keeps this this mask over her. It's for his benefit. It's yeah, it's very much for his benefit. It seems like that's the thing. It's like, yeah, I feel like the whole movie could really just be about the fact that he has this ideal life that he wants to preserve, and he, you know, he's set on this vision for himself that secures his status and you know his place in his profession or whatever and he wants to kind of like impart that onto his daughter as well Mm -hmm. and whatever chaos that she might have inside of her is unacceptable like this is purely conditional love like she has to abide by his rules Mm -hmm. and if she presents with any type of imperfection or the slightest inconvenience he covers it right up. He doesn't want to see it. He's in, he's really delusional like that. Yeah. Um, and so like the, the scarring of the face is, is really just, I guess, like a symbol of something else that he's totally intolerant of her subjectivity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's very, it is really interesting, isn't it? Cause like, there's kind of this almost like supernatural thing of whenever he gives her these like perfect new faces, like they like, mm-hmm. like her body like rejects them. Yeah. And like, and they, and they, she, they become like, I don't know. It's this very strange thing. They like full, full of all these little like kind of crevices and they become, it's just like, how many faces has she got on her? Like at this point, yeah. you know, cause it's like, they kind of like melt into her face. Yeah. Like, but it's, yeah, it is this very kind of, it's yeah, this sort of very symbolic thing of like applying a band aid over something that like actually needs like a proper look, you know, like actually needs like air, <laughs> needs sort of needs to be kind of like um, acknowledged, I suppose. Yeah, like actually confronted. Yeah, and yeah. He's just he's just applying more and more of his almost like expectations and standards to cover up her. 
whatever her crisis might be, mm-hmm. you know, and and in effect, he's totally negating her autonomy and agency as 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 like an individual. I mean, it's it's, it's a totally like per- perverse way of carrying out a normal identification process. It's a, it's almost like a nightmarish form of enforced identification. He wants her to totally adopt his expectations of her, mm-hmm. but as you say, her body rejects it. Like, it's unnatural. Like, you know when she says, when I look in the mirror, I see someone who looks like me, but who seems very distant. Mm-hmm. That was a great line, I felt, because it's like his overbearing nature as a father has caused her to become so alienated from herself. Yeah. It's a very good metaphor for, like, that kind of helicopter parenting style, you know? Yes, definitely. <gasps> it's funny, because, like, the kind of... um the way that they like kidnap girls and sort mm. of like take their faces and then discard them or like kind of take their faces and then like keep them like under the house is kind of like this subversion of like bringing her like playmates <gasps> sort of like they just like her like cause her friends are like the dogs that they do experiments on. Yeah. And then she also like, they, there are like these like other girl, other young girls, her age, like living in the house who are also like complete like who are these like weird doubles of her like who are also now have scarred faces and are also like monstrous so it's kind of and that idea of like it's kind of like they're like you know how where they used to say um royals in the old days they would have whipping boys Mm. um where like they would have like a little playmate that like takes lessons with them and plays with them but whenever they get a question wrong in class like the little boy the other little boy would get whipped Yes, and like, or like they would get punished. The other little friend would get punished. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like this sort of, sort of like, yeah, I don't know. There's wow. this strange idea of like play, like uh, sort of playmates and friends and the things that you're supposed to have. Like all of those girls could just be friends with with her. They could just be, you know, she could just be having a life with people her own age. Mm-hmm. But they're just kind of brought there to be like spare parts for oh her. Oh my god. Yeah, no, it's there's something like interesting there that like the parents bring her like potential friends, but then they'd have this like horrible subversion of what they do with them. It's so scary. Yeah. Actually, that makes me think of um, Bluebeard. <gasps> yes, it is like Bluebeard. Right? Like it's just collecting women and totally objectifying them and just, oh my God. Like it's like it's like Bluebeard, but for like a surgeon. <laughs> yeah, I never, you know, I never understood Bluebeard. Mm. I always thought it was such a strange, like why, like why do the wives have to die? Mm. It doesn't, it doesn't like make sense at all. Like why couldn't he just have a harem? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like because like you you you're sort of told that the wives die because they break the rule and look in the room Mm. but then why did the first wife have to die exactly doesn't make any sense like what did the first wife do so i don't know there's more there well hopefully um annabella will be making a blue beard film and she can flesh that she can flesh that whole thing out i can't wait for that yeah (laughs) am i right in thinking she wrote the novel first yeah okay which is a good idea i think if you're having trouble getting a film made yeah like you can write it as a novel and then I think it's, I feel like it's easier to adapt novels into films. Yeah, that's going to be exciting. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I feel like it's um, the internal landscape of, uh, I guess, yeah, like a creator with a God complex or a very talented doctor who thinks they're infallible. 
maybe doing all of this just for amusement almost just to yeah. keep themselves entertained as well kind of in that way it's a bit more like mother like Ar- Aronofsky's mother which also was set up a lot like Bluebeard almost like treating the women in the story as a muse when they need inspiration mm-hmm. it's like oh you know what I actually want to I really want to experiment on this one you know heterograph surgery idea I've got like <laughs> You know, why don't I try things out on you? Because, like, your face is fucked up. And there's, there's like, it's sort of quite ambiguous about how it got to the state of affairs in the first place. Like, kind of in the sim- similar way to Bluebeard. Like, what happened to the first wife? Because yeah. you know there's been, like, a car accident. And you know that she had a fiancé. Yes. But I feel like there's kind of unanswered questions about, like, what... I don't know if they say, like, who was driving or, like, what happened... It wasn't really explained. Yeah, so like I feel like there's like there's potential for you know, she it seems like she was about to leave and get married. Yeah. And now she is trapped here in this like endless cycle. Yeah. So is there like is is there something kind of underhand about this this like inciting incident that kept, that got her there in the first place or it prevented her from leaving? in the first place like there's all this kind of stuff that I feel like you could sort of flesh out like there's there's not very many films that I would like a remake of but like I feel like this film has so much mysteriously unanswered questions in that like part of me would like to see them fleshed out somewhere else like in in someone else's film because or like a prequel or a sequel Mm -hmm. I'd love to see where Christiane goes in the end I know let's get Rooney Mara involved yeah (laughs) definitely that's I think that would be really cool it's perfect for our brand. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's the beauty of this movie is that there's so much hinting at things and abstract interpersonal like conflict. Mm-hmm. Everything left unsaid is just adding to this like tension in the movie. Mm-hmm. And when they go to these extreme measures of actual surgery you realize, oh my God, there's so much more to this story than what I'm actually being shown. And it just sets the imagination into overdrive. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God, it is very scary. (laughs) Yeah, it is. I think it's kind of a masterpiece and there's just nothing else like it. Like at the time, it's just, I think it's so amazing when you have horror movies like this kind of emerge in the 60s because it's just like what is happening that like all of these really dark things suddenly started being made because you've got eyes without a face you've got the diabolique you've got psycho Mm. like it's just a really exciting time i know like a real gold rush of uncanny horror yeah definitely Okay, well, we could segue from there on to The Skin I Live In. Yep, uh, 2011, Pedro mm-hmm. Almodovar. Um, so, very similar um, synopsis <laughs> here. Um, in his secluded estate, a plastic surgeon, Robert Ledgard, he's keeping a young woman named Vera captive, using her as a test subject on which to cultivate art- artificial skin that is resistant to burns and other damage. As more of Robert's tragic past is revealed, so is Vera's strange story. Perfect. Mm. Um, had you seen this before? I had. I yeah. went to see this when it came out. Um, oh, cool. So I guess 2011. I must have been like, I guess I was at uni. Mm. Um, and like, I think I went to see it with some old school friends. I can't quite remember, but it was amazing. 
like yeah. I just remember being very like surprised by it and and also and I think I hadn't seen it since then so I was once again I couldn't quite remember how it goes mm. and what all the kind of twists and turns are because it's a very like chaotic movie considering <laughs> it kind of all happens at one location and like over quite a short pet space of time mm-hmm. um but so yeah, I'd kind of remembered a lot at the beginning, but I hadn't really quite remembered like what happened. And I actually mm. had to read the synopsis again to like be really clear on what happens because it's if you don't pay a lot of attention, then yeah. you kind of miss certain little like signifiers and things that like you kind of miss the reasons for people's behavior. Yeah. A little bit. Um so yeah, I was I think it's just a masterpiece, but it's very it's interesting because this this is also kind of coming out after like a decade of torture porn mm-hmm. being the kind of predominant horror trope of the sort of like post 9/11 years. Mm-hmm. And then you've get this which is it is torture porn, but it's like the most elegant <laughs> camp take on it that it, and like really again like very surgical very clean it's not very gory Mm-mm. but it's like all of this like underlying horror that is is totally horrifying yeah. about what when you think about what's actually happening it's oh my God. it's really frightening but nothing in the film actually has that tone of like yeah. of of horror so it's a very kind of it's a very strange and interesting film yeah, like as a viewer, I found myself like wrestle wrestling with what it was I was supposed to feel because it all looks so glorious. Mm. I mean, that house is incredible. The house is incredible. Vera is like is so beautiful. Yeah. Like and and he's so he's so beautiful. Yes, in he it is. as well. Like also, oh my god, such a Scorpio character. <gasps> definitely. Definitely right? a Scorpio character. It's yeah. hard for me not to be on his side, really. I know. Because he's like so just everything about it is so kind of tragic and it's even tragic that his own sort of control issues led yeah. to this point and like led to all of this tragedy. And it's so unfair and so like it's really unfair on him and you I kind know. of yeah, cuz it's really I don't know, his backstory is really sad. It is. He's so he is very tragic. And so it is natural to feel like you're rooting for him and then you realize what he's actually doing and you're like, "Oh my god. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is insane." I mean, I um Paul watched it with me last night. He'd never seen it before. Oh, wow. And that I loved watching it through his eyes because the moment he found he figured out the twist of who Vera was it was so satisfying to see him like join the dots he's like hey that's oh my god like (laughs) oh my gosh like I'm almost even loath to say it just in case anyone listening hasn't watched the movie major spoilers ahead I mean mostly I wouldn't bother we wouldn't bother with this because like it's fine to know what happens in a film and still like you can still enjoy seeing how it happens but yeah uh this is just such a wonderful twist and I really yeah. didn't see it. I didn't see it coming the first time and the second time I kind of forgotten as well like I sort of remembered but I couldn't quite remember the whole story yeah like exactly what the link was yeah yeah yeah, yeah I know it is so clever I mean, I'm not a huge, I'm, I don't kind of mind telling you, I'm not a huge Almodovar fan, mm-hmm. um, which maybe is a weird thing because he is a very Freudian director. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you would think that maybe I would be, I'll be all over that. But I don't know. I'm, I'm not really into his style normally. 
And I know he has like mommy issues, so I should totally be signing up to that. But really the only two films by him that I truly love are this one and Talk to Her. I haven't seen Talk to Her, but I would know it's on my list all the time. Like it's one of those ones that I really want to see. You I would like, love it. I'm sure I would. I generally enjoy Almodova. Yeah. Um, yeah, like mostly I I like it. I think that there's like some sometimes I think that there's some like women are like really kind of fantasy creatures mm-hmm. in Almodova films and this like it reads there's like it's obviously a horror, but it also reads like kind of like a wish fulfillment or a fantasy. Mm. about like becoming this sort of like this beautiful woman <laughs> like maybe oh, wow. I don't know if you like are obsessed with beautiful women like you know making films about beautiful women mm-hmm. like maybe there's and then you make a film where <laughs> you know someone becomes one like seamlessly and with no like you know like so perfectly like mu- like supernaturally perfectly mm-hmm. um I don't know there's something kind of interesting going on there I think wow like so maybe he sees himself a little bit in the Antonio Banderas character I think a little bit yeah I mm. think so um, that I think that tracks yeah yeah I think uh, yeah I mean the directors I think are controlling people yeah, they have so, to be. Yeah, you have to be, especially when you create such like aesthetic wor- worlds as mm-hmm. um, Almodovar. So, yeah, it's very oh interesting. God. So I think like, I do think Robert is like a stand-in for the director. Um, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, for sure. And, and I think, you know, I think you're right. I think the process of being a director will always be about... Um, imposing your own vision and not caring about the actor's process of identification that's irrelevant Mm -hmm. it's a mood point it's about covering up your own vision onto them like surgically attaching it to them yeah (laughs) and 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 that's how you tell your story because this is about you know your you're the narrator you're the generator of ideas it's not you're not you're not there to get consensus it's not a democratic process being a director is to to be a director is to be a dictator and I know that that's maybe not politically correct um, but I wouldn't have it any other way (laughs) I want all my directors to be my daddy basically To be my masters, honestly, like, and and that's the ultimate, you know, that's a very Zizekian um, pronouncement as well, because we want cinema to be a perverse, you know, a, a perverted master over us. Tell us how to desire. Yes. Within that framework, you cannot have people left, right and center imposing their own subjective identifications like what even is that that's not a film you know I don't know sometimes you do get like flashes of brilliance from like actors or like from someone else that Mm. you know if like I don't know that wouldn't the the director then like sees and kind of you know keeps in there so I think like there are there are definitely like lots of different styles you have like someone like Karen Kasama who like had everyone living together Mm -hmm. in a house for the invitation and like kind of manufactured this like group of friends out of this group of actors and that seems like kind of quite an egalitarian way to go about directing but I guess but I guess that ultimately is still her master plan yeah definitely definitely. right so that's still like that's still abiding by 
a structure that she sees fit to get the desired effect that she wants. That's true. That's true. You know, um, and and within within those parameters, if people want to go rogue, that's okay. But I, I guess if you have a very specific thing you want to achieve, you can't have people going rogue. So yeah, I suppose that you know the surgeon archetype of like enforcing an identification over someone by covering up whoever the fuck they are with their with you know with that surgeon's fantasy Mm. I mean this movie this can I live in is the ultimate example of that it is and then so like (laughs) like by the end of it like he kind of becomes a victim of his own creation like he kind of falls in love with his own creation and forgets like actually like I don't know in that sense like forgetting where it came from like (laughs) is like his downfall but then also maybe is it also like does but does it matter like did he kind of achieve like perfect cinema for a minute before wow before he died (laughs) like or or does yeah like and that does that kind of yeah I don't know like does that happen do like do directors get to a point where they can't differentiate between real life and their film and that's when they know their film is finished or perfect or whatever I'm not sure like there's something very I don't know it's kind of like you want like you sort of want it for him in the end because he does have this like moment of like where he kind of doesn't seem to care about living anymore about being safe anymore and he gets to drop his guard down he lives in this like highly in this like you know this place with like under lock and key Yes. Um, yes, carry a gun around and like, and then suddenly he has this like sort of one evening of like <laughs> carefree romance, sort of. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of quite nice in the end, like sort of fitting ending for like the great director. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, but yeah, I don't know. He has to be like punished in some way, doesn't he? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, um, I have to say when he just randomly, they both like were having sex and it was uncomfortable. And Vera goes, oh, I've got some lube. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we should use lube. It's like, really? Like, (laughs) (laughs) you only just thought of it now? (laughs) That was was the most absurd moment for me. Because he was such a planner. Like, he had had everything covered. But he didn't have, like, he didn't have, like, a bottle of lube, really. Like, um... But apart from that, it is very Pygmalion, isn't it? Like falling in love with your sculpture. It is very Pygmalion. Maybe the lube is like a sim. It's sort of mm. like maybe like the lube is like kind of a giveaway of his like deeply romantic and idealizing nature. Ah, okay. Like because like the lube would be like the doctor surgeon side of his brain of like you know especially because this is a new vagina. <laughs> Like it's yes. gonna need some help, um, but then like he, you know he's also got this like part of him that is still like holds on to these like ideals of, <laughs> of like you don't what's need, supposed to happen you know what's supposed to happen yeah like I think um, <laughs> like accepting lube is like a very grown up thing like you know like it's a yeah. very like it to in a sense accepting lube is like sort of accepting like the death of idealized romance oh my god <laughs> it's kind of a tragic day <laughs> wow yeah 
Um, so yeah, like maybe the like the lube is like the perfect thing because like she kind of clocks on or yeah, Vera kind of clocks on to the fact that he's he's like he's kind of yeah he's sort of like insanely he's got this like insane part of him and it's like in this it's like about romance and desire and love Mm -hmm. so like maybe she chooses the perfect thing okay you've literally just righted the only wrong i found in this movie (laughs) (laughs) you've somehow like elevated it even beyond like my wildest expectations well lube is like a bodily fluid plus like it's like the outs it's like an it's like the only it's the only external it's the only honorary bodily fluid (laughs) so it doesn't you know it doesn't surprise me that our conversation came down to it really definitely we're like the premier bodily fluid podcast we are we really are Um, that's brilliant. This is the kind of advice you can expect to get when you write in with your romantic dilemmas, by the way. So, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll help you where we can. I'm really excited about that. I think it's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I think it is, it's, it just denotes kind of how delusional he really is. Yeah. Um, but in a way, it's also what keeps him motivated and eroticized in what he's doing it's true there's like there's definitely like an erotic drive in this film that isn't present in the other film yeah like his like that surgeon's really what he's trying to do is like stop erotic drives like completely (laughs) actually that is what he's doing like he's like some events have conspired to stop her going off and having sex with her fiance Mm -hmm. and now he's going and then he's like dresses her up in this like this like weird like sort of like princess like bed almost jacket Victorian. almost like Victorian like high collared I mean it's gorgeous but mm. like I love you know negligees and lingerie but like it was bonkers like little girl sort of untouched you know like very like unruffled yeah. by like erotic desire mm. um and then yeah he just kind of keeps giving her these like new faces he keeps her in this like state of like infantilism like she's just like she's still like a child she's just like you know she's like can't stray too far away from him because mm-hmm. her face will go like moldy so um <laughs> so and then this is like much more this guy is like totally is totally driven by eroticism he is yeah you're right in the first one it is all about stifling the potential for normal sexual development mm-hmm. and being almost like it's like a perverse electra complex yeah you know of the overbearing father who is jealous so jealous of a prospective suitor for his daughter that he preemptively cock blocks everybody yeah whereas here it's like it's 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 much more like erotically motivated i mean he literally fucks vera yeah he does (laughs) wow yeah that's so interesting what do you think of like the actual crime that that Vera as Vince Mm. is it Vincent Vicente Vicente is like guilty of (laughs) because it seems like a very strange like no blood like I don't know what exactly happened there I mean what because I because what I understood is that a lot of the young people just went off and Mm -hmm. I mean that that first scene of uh everybody having an orgy that looked pretty hot I know it's very (laughs) sexy it's a really sexy scene 
And if only Vicente had just stayed with that group, I feel like... He would have had... Yeah, he would have had a great time. He would have had a great time. But instead, he's gone off with this chick who is clearly traumatized. There's already some... There's something off about her because she obviously witnessed her mother throwing herself off out of the window. Mm -hmm. But then they're like making out and... It is sort of implied that he raped her, but did he actually, like, did he actually have intercourse with her? It's unclear. Well, actually, what I, I thought it was unclear in the film, and then on mm. I read the synopsis, and it says that the music that comes from the house is the music that she, is the song that she was singing when her mother jumped out of the window. Yeah. And so that's what makes her start screaming. That's it. And so it's yeah. not actually, so yeah, like, it's, he does, like... It's not He's, them making yeah. out. It's, it's not them making Like, he probably shouldn't be with her because she's, like, you know, she lists all of the psychiatric drugs that she's on yeah. and <laughs> is, like, clearly a little, like, vulnerable. Um, but, yeah, I think, because I wasn't, was never totally sure what happens in that scene, but the, I think it's that, well, that's why she freaks out and then he sort of comes oh. a, upon her body and it looks like there's been a rape. And then, but it's just so unfair, like, to Robert because, like, her, first of all, his wife, like, runs off with someone else, someone way less attractive than him. Ugh, yeah. And then, like, he rescues her and nurses her back to health and she still doesn't, like, respond to his love. Yeah. And then, like, I don't want to be, like, all incel about it, but, like, what's <laughs> wrong with this guy? Like, nothing. He's a, he's a prize. Like, and then, and then you know, this awful thing happens to his daughter and she, like, wakes up and blames him. I know. It's fuck, fuck women. Like, fuck I women know. in this film. They're awful. <laughs> Robert is right to go his own way. He like, is. He's, <laughs> he's, Men going their own way. Like he's he he should be like the kind of like high priest of male rage. Totally deserved. Totally deserved in like a rare case of totally reasonable <laughs> male rage. I know. Justice for Robert. Justice he, for Robert. It's he not did nothing fair. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. You're right. Like, <laughs> at every turn, he was always trying to be helpful. He was just trying to be helpful. Just trying to be erotic and never works out. Like, Damn it. Absolutely unfair. The doctors are really horrible to him as well. Like, at, the, at his daughter's, um, at his funeral. daughter's funeral. And, like, it's really, it's so ridiculous. I know. So, I know. Unfair on Robert. I agree. Yeah. I don't know whether we both feel this way just because we've, like, established that he's clearly a Scorpio yeah and because we're attracted to him <laughs> like, we're attracted to him yeah. and we you know we understand the Scorpio's struggle yeah. you know <laughs> do you think we'd be like those girls outside the Night Stalker's trial and being like he did nothing wrong <laughs> definitely pen pals with yeah. <laughs> serial killers <laughs> writing sexy letters <laughs> Yeah, we would do that. Yeah, definitely. And and just uh, just on the final scene as well, like when Vera escapes, it's the fact for me that there's something very uncanny about that final scene where he's like reunited with his mother and friend at the at you know the shop. Mm -hmm. Because okay, have I got this right? The co the colleague or friend that he used to work with as Vicente mm -hmm. so she's a lesbian yes and he always <gasps> tried to put the moves on her right oh my god I didn't I didn't 
That I totally missed that. That was so strange. Yeah. So it's like this really like annoying fantasy of like, you didn't want me when I was a man, but here I am as a hot woman. We can finally be together. <laughs> yeah, that is, that's actually very annoying. It is. I knew there was something annoying about this film, but I couldn't figure <laughs> out what it was. And that's what it is. Yeah. There's something like unreasonable going on here. And that's what it is. It is, oh, right? Fuck. I mean, because like, because she suddenly looks at looks at Vicente differently, like as Vera. Oh my god, that's really, like, that's really interesting. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. If the lesbian community wanted to cancel this movie, I would be totally done. Same, like that's actually. Yeah. I would lend my support to that. I'm kidding, of course, but you know what I mean. Like, it's just, it's just annoying. Wow, that's really interesting. Well, <laughs> we will hope that after what has happened to Vicente over the last five years or however long he's in captivity for, <laughs> that he is that he's better with rejection than he was previously yeah maybe he you know maybe he'll give it one more try and then he will accept he will accept a no because yeah maybe that's what the film is saying maybe the film is saying like maybe that's his crime it's not like the the sort of the vague rape or like Mm. you know the punch in the face or all this maybe like the crime his crime is this like is the way he's like badgering this female colleague. Yeah. Exactly. And like that's actually, you know, like if you I don't actually really subscribe to the like punishment um theory of horror films. Mm. Like I think, you know, that whole Carol Clover, like, you know, oh, yeah, sexuality yeah. is punished, like these things are punished. So I think that's like with like we've kind of accepted in culture like someone's being punished in a horror film mm. and it's like I this is a theory, it's not true. Like it doesn't <laughs> doesn't have to be. So I don't know. But if that if that is a you know, if you subscribe to that theory, maybe that's what Vicente is being punished for. Like something yeah, that, exactly. something that you might have missed. In which case it's actually quite a um feminist movie. Yeah, yeah, because remember, he's like, oh, why don't you try on this dress? It would be perfect for you. And he's yes. like, and, and she's like, you wear it, you know? <laughs> and boy, did he wear it. Yeah, like, he, he looks really great wore that dress. <laughs> um, Yeah, no, you're right. So everyone take note. This is what can happen to you if you can, if you take it too far. Yeah, just be careful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this has been fun. It has. It's been really great. I can't believe next week is our last episode of this series. It's gone so fast. Yeah, it's completely flown, flown by. So next week we finish off with tech. Woo! I'm very excited about this one. I know. Finally, we get to talk about... So is it her and... Ex Machina. And Ex Machina. Did yeah. they come out the same year? Or they came out quite close together, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, very. Maybe one year apart. 2013 and 15. So oh, okay. same kind of period. Yeah. 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 Um, and thank you guys for continuing to listen to us. Uh, we really appreciate, as we said, your rating and reviewing, your nice comments on Instagram, your donations. Just thank yeah, you very much. Your tweets, which we love. We love and your tweets. Yeah, keep keep sending your feedback our way. And we will catch you on the next one. Happy New Year, everyone. Bye. Bye. Will you still love